Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and today I am joined by Siler, and we are going to be talking about certain important topics related to Bayern Munich, mainly the Champions League, or at least our last Champions game for quite a while, as it turns out. But before I get ahead of myself, hey, Siler, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing decent. Pretty uh, slow weekend, but it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited for the podcast more than anything right now. Fair enough, fair enough. And to be honest, there's nothing much to be excited when it comes to Bayern Munich right now because it feels like we are dropping points and losing to practically everyone. Somehow we didn't lose to Leipzig last week, but that little bit of momentum was snuffed out by Freiburg this Friday, which was actually a Saturday for those of us watching it in India. Imagine staying up till 3 a.m. to watch Bayern concede a last-minute goal to Freiburg in the way that we did. But that just makes me think, you know, Freiburg are pretty much in the same exact position in the Bundesliga table that Lazio are in the Serie A table. So, given what we know and given how the first leg went and everything else that has gone on since then, tell me, Salah, do you think that Bayern Munich stands a chance of progressing to the quarterfinals of the Champions League? I think to say we stand a chance is fair, but is it likely? I don't think so. Let's say we're far too disciplined defensively and they've got far too much quality going forward to not close out this game. I just I feel like Tuchel doesn't still doesn't know what to do in situations like this where his back's against the wall and he has to score more than one goal to win a game. So I I just I don't see it happening. If you had to put a number on it, what would you say Bayern's chances of advancing are? Uh about I'd say thirty to thirty-five percent. Yeah, honestly, I am in the same boat. Maybe mine would be a little bit lower. Mine would be maybe twenty-five percent or something like that. But like we haven't counted Bayern Munich out, and you can't really count Bayern Munich out. But after the way that first leg went, and honestly, after all our recent results, I don't see how this team can come back and rally. There is no sign that the team is really ready to pull together and pull out a result or at least any kind of reaction that could make us able to score more than one goal at the Allianz Arena. I think our best chance, honestly, is to maybe score once and then take it to penalties and then hope that we squeeze through that way. But tactically, or even just in terms of team morale, team cohesion, the form of some of our key players, I don't see where that little spark is going to come from that is going to let us win. Like previous Bayern Munich teams, when they went and had a bad day, you knew that the next game that they were going to play, they would come out swinging and they would demolish whatever opposition was in their way. It was almost a meme during the Flick era that you do not want to face Bayern Munich after a loss or a draw because they tend to crush their opponents right after a big disappointment. We don't see that under Tuchel. We don't see the bounce back that we used to under previous Bayern Munich teams. And I'm not going to say much about the coach today because I feel like the coaching situation has been discussed to death and it feels like also the board itself is not going to budge on the Tuchel question. If there was a time to fire Tuchel, it was right after the first Lazio game. And the fact that they haven't done it yet pretty much means that they are ready to write off the season. So I can't talk much about the coach at this point. I just wanted to say that it is shocking to me that we are at this point of the season and we face the prospect of being eliminated by Lazio. Siler, what do you think it says about this team right now that we are in this position? Like, what is your takeaway of in terms of just our standing as a club and what we're doing right now? I would say degradation. That's pretty much the only, that that's the primary word I the fact that we were pretty much on the brink of establishing a, a dynasty, really, if you look at it, because the team that won the Champions League four years ago, the starting eleven was all you know, twenty-four, twenty-five year olds. Of course, you had um, some exceptions in the form of Neuer, Müller, Thiago, and Lewandowski, but other than them, everyone was in their early twenties, if not even younger. Obviously, we had cases like Afonso Davies, who was nineteen at the time. It really looked like Bayern were gearing up for pretty much an entire decade of domination and that's gone away. We're four years later and we are worse than we were before the treble. And 
it's a damning indictment not only of the coaching decisions and the board decisions but also player morale and player mentality because a lot of these players feel like they've feel like they're playing as if they've already won something and they don't want to win anymore it genuinely does feel like that at times i think there's a big change that needs to happen i think the board has changed enough but i feel like yeah i mean the coach that's an obvious issue we've discussed this to death but the coach and the squad needs fresh faces more than anything i guess that is fair enough let's take a more short term view of this if you're thomas tuko what do you do what do you see in lazio that you can exploit as a weakness something that bayern munich could do in terms of i don't know getting some kind of advantage because we saw in the first leg we didn't really threaten their goal all that much and that is i think the key problem with this team that they don't really have an offensive plan so Tyler, I know you watch Serie A and I know you watch Lazio a bit. So tell me, what do you see as their main weakness? Something that we could actually do about them? The problem with this game is that Thomas Tuchel refuses to use the center, and Lazio's weakest area right now is the center. In previous seasons, they had a midfield three of Luis Alberto, Lucas Leiva, and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, which was, for, frankly, an insane midfield three. No mid-table team should be allowed to have. a midfield of that quality but they've lost two of those players they only really have luis alberto and as such they've lost a lot of their control in the middle and especially now because their number 6 nicolo rovella is out of this game he's injured i believe he has an injury in his pelvis bone or something like that i'm not sure the exact injury but rovella is very important to their tempo and he's very important as their deepest midfielder and they're missing him so there is a very clear hole in the center which could be exploited but i don't see it happening because tuchel's entire game plan relies around wing play it just won't happen but i think what tuchel will try to do is try and target the wing backs because manuel latsari and adam marujic are not wing backs by trade latsari is more of a right winger and marujic while he has played full back quite a bit he's more of a right back than a left back but again they're not big weaknesses that i see um massive scope for exploitation and definitely not more than the midfield three which is pretty weak right now I just don't see any way past through the wings especially if we're going to try and create crossing opportunities because their goalkeeper Ivan Provedel is one of the best in all of Europe and he's come up with some insane performances in recent games even when Lazio have lost the opposition team has had way higher xg than they've scored because Ivan Provedel does just insane things when he's faced with these shot stopping opportunities so I just don't I don't see that game plan working at all Yeah um I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I realize that Tuchel really likes his wing play and I get why he wants to do that kind of football at Bayern Munich because of the abundance of wide players we have and the talent we have on the wings, but the neglecting of the center is something that is a huge problem and it's probably not going to get better because reports indicate, I don't know if you've seen these reports or not, but Matty Tell will probably continue to start against Lazio and normally I would cheer that but it also means that it's possible that if Leroy Sané is fit he's going to come back into the lineup and the most likely player to be benched is Thomas Muller. Now I understand that Thomas Muller has not gotten any goals or assists in his recent appearances but I don't think that's here or there. I think that against Lazio he's a guy you need to start but Tuchel probably doesn't agree and these reports when they've come out from especially publications like Build they have been very accurate in the past so what do you think of that what do you think about Leroy Sané coming back in especially given that he has been injured and been working through this nondescript groin injury and also this knee injury like would you start him versus Lazio and on top of that would you bench Thomas Muller I wouldn't start him against Lazio no I feel like it's a pretty simple matter honestly i think the four triple two kind of works in getting musiala and i guess zani on the right but more uh, thomas muller on the right to get into the half spaces which is exactly where we need to be with their lack of uh, midfield to cover those areas but yeah no leo zani is an interesting one i if it was me it would be up down to fitness but i would play him over thomas muller mm. well i you know my opinion on thomas muller so i guess we can leave that aside what about the left back position because i think that's the only other position where there is any question of who will start so what about that do you play rafael guerrero or do you play alfonso davies i would play rafael guerrero but that's again that's down to the way that i would like to play football not the way tuchel would like to play football i'm pretty sure tuchel will revert back to davies now and 
that's not exactly the best decision in terms of player form either because I feel Guerrero is in better form right now. But I think Tuchel trusts Davies to get us over the line here, defensively at least. Well, that's interesting because I think, well, I personally think that Davies would be the better option because he has been out for a while. And generally, when Davies has come back from injury, he has been pretty good. And also, Davies just is the kind of guy that could give this insipid attacking system from Tuchel a little bit of life. Guerrero, I like him. I think in a better system, he could flourish. And we know what he is capable of in better systems. But in this current system, there is really no, how should I say, there's no scope for him to influence the game to the extent that we want him to. What is his role right now? He gets behind and does overlaps and he occasionally puts a cross or a cutback in. Like, that's just such a waste. Instead, I would rather have someone like Davies with his pace. And that was also help with us defensively because, as we all know, Upamakano is suspended. And at the back, we could really use Davies's pace to keep things tidy. Not that we will keep things tidy, but it, we're just talking about theoretical concepts here because the way Bayern Munich will play is very much set in stone at this point, I think. It is not going to... I, I don't expect to see something against Lazio that I haven't already seen in the last nine months of Thomas Tuchel's tenure. I don't expect us to play radically different football. I'm just talking about very minor differences in what we could do and what we should do. Am I wrong about this? Am I wrong about Davies's potential impact? I don't think you're wrong about it defensively. He does show more, but I also think he's a liability in build-up. And also, I feel like putting him in a 1v1 situation against Felipe Anderson is going to be a bad time for him because Felipe Anderson is the exact kind of player that Davies struggles against, the sort of the tricky winger rather than the winger who relies on pace. We've seen Davies have yeah, excellent against... one-on-one one-on-one against, against you know, those, Usman Dembele. He really, yeah, he struggled against yeah, those types. Yeah. Then yeah. a more it, recent example, like Bernardo Silva in the City games. He got, oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry to say this, but he got destroyed by Bernardo Silva over both legs. I just don't see him doing that well against Felipe Anderson either. And yeah. the problem is, let's say you have those kind of wingers on both sides because Matthias Zakanye is one of my favorite wingers to watch. He is so good. Yeah, I'll let you well, say your piece. It doesn't really matter because we know that Kimmich is going to start and there is no other option, right? Well, I guess Conrad Limer is theoretically an option, but would you start Limer over Kimmich at right back? Well, Mazawi and Bowie have been spotted in team training, so I feel like one of them could start. For me, it would always no. be Mazawi, but... I mean, come on. Don't, don't, don't have hope. <laughs> that is my number one piece of advice to you. Do not have hope because yeah, no. this season has proved it's... that there is no point in having hope. It is going to be Kimmich at right back, but yes. I think Mazrawi would be the best, fit, especially against Zakani, who's a 1v1 expert. I think Mazrawi would handle him best, but it's not going to happen, unfortunately. I don't see Mazrawi even making the bench for that game. Yeah, I guess. I guess not. And what about the midfield? The, I mean, pretty much everything that can be said about the midfield has been said. Do you bench Goretzka and put Limer in? I would, yes. Um, That's not Why? because I don't believe in Goretzka. I think... Gretzka is fantastic when he needs to be, but I feel like in Tuchel's system, he's just far too limited. You know, that's interesting because I thought the way he played against Freiburg was better than what we've seen from him under Tuchel so far because he played almost like, how would I describe it, almost like a third striker. Like he was pretty much in the box and Gretzka's a pretty tall and physical guy. He can possibly help Kane and Tell get chances if he's played in that role. And it's not like he's involved in the build-up much anyway. It's not like the midfield is involved in the build-up to begin with. So who cares about that, right? And Goretzka in and around the box, he's a pretty threatening player. He knows when to pass, where to shoot. And he has been responsible for clutch goals in the past. So I think him compared to Limer, I would still start him, which is probably not what most of the fan base wants to hear. But I still think Goretzka has a role to play and Tuchel is making, like, if he were at the beginning of his coaching tenure, I would say Tuchel is slowly starting to figure Goretzka out. But given that we are at the stage where we're at, he's basically just made his piece and decided, okay, Goretzka, just do your thing. And Goretzka's, well, doing his thing. Well, I think that would work in most games. I don't feel like the role that Goretzka's in in Tuchel's system will work in bigger games, especially like this Lazio game. Because Lazio are excellent at hitting teams on the counter. 
we've seen is the last couple of games where against Torino and even against Fiorentina, they got goals on the break because the team's overcommitted. Um, same goes for Milan, where they generated quite a few chances getting away from Milan's defense after Milan sort of brought them brought their entire lineup. And I think a big part of that is down to the fact that their midfields weren't able to handle it. And I think Goretzka, for as much as he does, track back occasionally against counterattacks. I don't see his general sort of play style fitting as much as Conrad Limers would because Conrad Limers' intensity in the middle is pretty much unmatched in our squad. And I think we need that level for this game. Interesting. So you'd be more wary of counterattacks than the potential of going without a goal. Personally, I, I feel like our biggest issue is the fact that we can't score. Like our goals against Freiburg, they were 110% individual brilliance. They came out of nowhere. And those goals normally don't happen. So I just don't see how we're going to get that 1-0 deficit up. And I think it's unavoidable that we are going to be exposed on the counter versus Lazio. And at that point, I'm just hoping and praying that Manuel Neuer has one of those days and he manages to stop whatever comes at his goal. Because otherwise, I think that other than going 110% offensive, you know, gung-ho, get two, three, four tall players at the box and just cross to them, without doing that, I don't see how we are going to actually score against Lazio because, like, as I've said before, we it, it, the team just seems to lack ideas. No, it is true. Um, I think Tuchel still doesn't have a clear plan for the attack. And that is why I wouldn't mind Gretzka starting because Gretzka's pure presence as a wild card in the final third does give us a lot more options and allows us to disrupt marking. But again, this was looking at it from the hypothetical of what if we had a coach who actually knew what he was doing. And fortunately, we don't have that right now. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that, to be honest, because I I, I swear, Sadler and I had a discussion before this. we started recording that said we were not going to bash Tuchel too much in this part because we've said everything. But it feels like just you can't let it be unsaid what, what this guy has done to our club and to our team. Because when we drew Lazio, you can go back and listen to the podcast I think me and Schnitzel did. We said that we should go past Lazio 100 in 100% of cases. At the time, we did not see any chance that we would fail to get past Lazio. We were saying that, yeah, okay, we will fail, face Man City or Real Madrid or etc., etc., and we will lose to them. That is that is a problem for later. But we did not envision that we would be in such a situation against Lazio. And I think that just signifies a lot. And I don't know, I don't know if you're ready for that conversation yet because... Right now, it's still it like talking about it right now feels still like a huge pile of hypotheticals because we, as long as we have a chance, <clears throat> I I told you I you shouldn't hope, but I still have hope that we're gonna get past Lazio, and I'm literally on call that day at the pediatrics department, but I've scheduled someone to replace me because I want to watch that game, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to stay up till three a.m. or whatever how long it takes for the game to end, knowing that I have to be in the hospital by seven because I, I believe despite everything that's happened, I still believe in the team and I still believe despite all the evidence to the contrary that something can happen. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm puffing the whole PM as well. I yeah. As much as I hate watching this team, I will continue to watch them week in, week out, hoping for a miracle, praying for a miracle at this point. Mm. It's unlikely, but there is always the smallest chance, especially with Tuchel, there is always the smallest chance. Yeah, I mean, like the Lazio, I mean, sorry, why did I say Lazio? The Leipzig game, the Leipzig win came out of nowhere. So, like, when you have players like Harry Kane on the squad, something can happen, right? It just needs, it's just one goal. So, and football is that, that type of game. Something can always happen. Probably something won't happen, but you, you never know, right? Yeah, pretty much that. That's that's the magic of football, is that the best played, the best played plans are not always the ones yeah. that work out. Yeah, I swear, if this were cricket, for example, and Bayern were going up against Lazio in cricket with the recent form of the two teams, I, I would stay up for the game. I wouldn't even bother watching, to be honest, because uh, cricket is not a game with that level of variance. But, you know, let's keep talking about the lineup. There is only, I think, one last question left, which is very interesting because it says a lot about where the team is right now. Since Upamecano is suspended, Tuchel has three options for the center of defense. We know that Kim Minje is almost certainly going to start. So that leaves one last option, which is Matthias Delict or, well, Eric Dyer. 
who do you think Tuchel is going to start and who would you start? I think the question phrased that way. Well, I think you're you're setting me up for a yeah. I, 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 I'm setting exactly you up for a question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been pretty vocal on Twitter about how much I dislike Tuchel's ideas about Delict, and I mean the fact that Delict is considering leaving or was considering leaving prior to the announcement of Tuchel's dismissal. I I mean it it broke me. It was genuinely a nightmare to see my favorite player join my favorite club, and within two years he's considering leaving. That kind of thing genuinely did does break me. But he seems to be a little more uh, comfortable in Munich now with Tuchel's departure and he's going to wait for the new coach. And if the new coach is any of Jabi Alonso, Zinedine Zidane or Julian Nagelsmann, he will be happy because he plays right into the kind of football that all three of those coaches try to employ. I don't think Tuchel will play Delict, but if he does, then more power to him. I just don't see it happening, especially after last game where Dyer was not horrible. I think Tuchel will take that as the bar for I can push my own thing here because it didn't work out horribly. So, yeah, yeah it's probably going to be a Dyer Kim and Jay partnership. It's strange to me because both Kim and Delic came from Serie A. Wouldn't you just start the all Serie A defense against the Serie A team? Then again, this is probably the shallowest understanding of Serie A that I can provide right now. I have not watched the league in almost a year. The thing is, you know, Dyer has not been bad. I have to stress that. Like, he he had his moments, but pretty much all our defenders have had their moments this season. Like, it's not it's not been pretty. And I have nothing against him. And his recent contract extension announcement, I'm fine with it. You know, like, as a fourth center back, he's pretty good. Like, I can't really say that we could find a better fourth center back on the market. It's just that in a game against Lazio... I don't know. I, I, I'm conflicted because I know that the game is going to be something where we're going to be pushing up a lot. And it's genuinely a shame that Upamakano is suspended. I know everyone says that he is not cut out for big games and his recent showings in big games have been very questionable. But when we're going to be expected to push up and we're going to be expected to like attack and dominate possession and try and break down a park bus, Upamecano would have been invaluable here. And without him, I'm not sure if Eric Dyer and Matthias Delict are going to be suitable for that role, especially since both of them lack a lot of pace and Kim Min Jae is not that fast either. I'm just worried about what the defense is going to end up doing against Lazio, especially since against Freiburg, they showed that they can't even clear a ball properly. I don't know about Kim Min Jae not being fast. He's recorded a sprint faster than... Pretty much the entire Bayern squad minus Alfonso Davies this season. I mean, that always happens with centre-backs. Remember Sewell? That is true. That is true. No, but Nicolas Zula was a freak. He was a yeah, physical Nicolas freak. Nicolas Zula, he, he still is a freak, but in probably a different way right now. The thing is, Kim is fast. He Fuck. gets he gets, he gets gets up to a pretty decent speed, but I th- think Upamecano is more explosive and is generally very good at a role which is, you know, just chasing down loose deliveries and long balls which is, like, probably, I think, what Lazio are going to do. Like, tell me if I'm wrong, because they're probably going to... What I'm envisioning here is the classic. They're going to come to Munich and sit back and try and just, you know, find that one killer pass, which is not that hard against this current edition of Bayern Munich that doesn't press very hard. Just find that one killer pass to a striker and then, you know, go down the pitch and score. Is that an accurate assessment of what you think they will do? Or do you see something else? It could change. It tends to change from game to game for Lazio. But yeah, this game is definitely going to be one of them games. One of them Where they games, sort of yeah. sit back. They're just going to let Romagnoli and Gila clear it out. Especially since they don't have a number six for this game. Have you seen the news of the referee for the game? I have, yes. And this is not going to be good. I remember yeah, a large part of... I remember a large VRL part of my match game. observations are... Yeah, I did the match observations for that. Mm. And I remember I dedicated an entire section to the referee. So this is not a good time. It's not. It's it's really, it's almost parody-esque. I, I don't know who could have been worse. Maybe Anthony Taylor. But like, oh God. It's it's looking bad. Right. That's our entire assessment. Sounds like a succinct way to put it together, yeah? Yeah. So since it's looking bad, I guess, I guess... Tuko is going to pull another rabbit out of his hat and his luck is going to come through and we're going to win. Is that is 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 that a good way to predict what's going to be the outcome of the game? I mean, 
Yeah, it feels like yeah, it feels football it, is it feels like it, it's cruelest. It almost feels just as likely as the other outcome, which is that we just go out with a whimper and this is our worst Champions League finish. It's 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 definitely our worst Champions League performance since I started watching the team, to be honest. Because when we went out in the round of 16 in 2019, that was at least to Liverpool. And that Liverpool team was a juggernaut. And we went, we, in my opinion, at least we went down fighting. We weren't that amazing, but you can't expect us to be that amazing when we had Muller and Kimmich suspended for that game. But in this case, oh man, it just feels so, it feels like we're not shown what we are capable of. And I think that's the most disappointing part. Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I don't think I can name a worse season that we've had since I started watching either. But to be fair, I haven't had a season as a fan yet where Bayern have failed to win the Bundesliga. So this is a new experience for me. Yeah, same here, to it's, be honest. It's strange one. Yeah, <laughs> like I started in 2012. And at the time, at least, I know the experience of Bayern not being reigning champions. I know what it's like to... Like not be sure about what the team is capable of, not be sure where Bayern stands in the, you know, the theater of world football. But then we won the treble, and it, and I've never really looked back. I've always been in it's always been in my head that Bayern Munich is one of the best teams in the world. And this this season has generally it's it's shaken my faith in that belief. Like I'm no longer certain. And as every game goes by, I I know that it's. A lot of it is down to Tuchel, but I don't know how much of it anymore. I'm starting to... The, the Twitter arguments are getting to me. I'm starting to doubt the players as well. I feel like you're not wrong in doubting the players, but it does come down to the coaching. Yeah, primarily. the coaching. Yeah. Because it, it, it is the coach's job to get the players on board. On and board, the players motivated, are on board. and everything else. It's like, it's so weird that there are so many things that we could talk about one day, but those will have to be saved for a postseason announcement. I think, like, as of right now, we just have to talk about this game as it is, and we will probably have to talk about what Tuchel's future should be after this game. But I think we will leave that to the second half of our podcast, which will also include a discussion about Alfonso Davies and his future. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, we are going to be back right after this break. And we are back. I hope the break was as enjoyable for you as it was for us, which is pretty significant because of how Zoom works. But I guess we have to talk about Tuchel a little bit now. And the main thing is that there are apparently discussions at Bayern Munich about whether it would be or whether it would make any sense to fire Tuchel if he were to lose to Lazio given the state of the season. Now, given that we, most of us think that we are not going to get past Lazio at this stage, you tell me, Siler, would you still fire Tuchel if he were to fail to get past Lazio or would you just keep him till the end? Because at that point, which seems to be the board's reasoning, there is not much any, there is really not much of a point to keeping him because Bayern are out of every major competition and you'd basically just be getting a caretaker for what? Like, three months probably, but um no, I would I would have him out the door as soon as the Lazio game ends. Like if I if I could, and this is just because I'm petty, I would Brazo con them. As soon as the final whistle blows, just go up to Tuchel and dismiss him. It's petty, it's horrible, but he's not been good for this club at all. And I feel like the level of arrogance that he's shown doesn't really deserve the respect of the board. Well, so I would dismiss him as soon as the final whistle goes. It's funny you mentioned Brazo and Khan because to do a real Brazo and Khan moment would be to sack him after he beats Lazio. Yeah, actually, that would be far funnier. <laughs> but and, no, I, I, regardless of the Lazio game, I would dismiss him after it. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Like, I mean, he is already dismissed, technically. He's just a dead man walking. He's here. Effectively, Tupel is here in almost a caretaker role. He cannot... Like, you can see it on his face in games. He just does not care. He just sits there watching the game almost like a spectator. And, well, like, what's the point, really? How has he not been sacked yet? The thing that gets me is that, personally, I think there is still a chance that Tuchel would not see out the whole season, even if he were to win against Lazio, because we are in March. And what happens in March... Well, we have an international break coming up, and that is when 
things start to get shaken up. So the problem is that reports indicate that Bayern Munich does not want to sack Tuchel because they do not see any viable interim candidates. Why an interim candidate and why not a final appointment? It's because Bayern Munich feels that they have a genuine chance at landing Xabi Alonso and they do not want to jeopardize that by hiring someone else this summer. Sorry, not this summer, as in right now, as in as an interim or as a permanent hire. So I want to ask you what you make of that. Because to me, it seems like Bayern is sacrificing this season for the promise of having a potential Zabi-led new look Bayern Munich team come 2024-25. And I feel like that's a huge waste. But I, I want to ask you, what do you think about that? You know what? It's better than sacrificing a Nagelsmann project for a two-full season. At least we've gone backwards on that, or reversed it on that. We're sacrificing the short term for the long term, which I think is, it pretty much is the Bayern way. It always has been. We've has never it, really, I would say from a business point of view, yes. I think that Bayern have always prioritized the long term over the short term. But, but regardless of whether the fans were behind it or not, I mean, look at the opening of the Allianz Arena back in the mid-2000s. Mid-2000s, was it? Yeah, mid-2000s. People were not very happy about the Allianz Arena at all, but you look at it as one of our biggest commercial and, you know, our biggest assets. Might probably is our biggest asset. I can't think of anything that's bigger than the stadium. And it brings in a bunch of revenue for us. It's let us stay competitively viable. That those are the kinds of decisions that Bayern were experts at, and we need to get back into that kind of mindset. And I think sacrificing the short term to try and get back there is the way we should be, footballing-wise. But I do want to hear your thoughts on Xabi Alonso, because I don't think I've heard a lot about your reservations with him. Well, I don't really have any reservations about Xabi Alonso. I have been advocating him from pretty much the beginning of when Tuchel started benching Muller. But I need to preface this by saying that pretty much every coach I advocate for, they end up being really, really bad because I advocated for Tuchel when Nagelsmann was in charge. I advocated for Nagelsmann when he was going to take over for Flick. I thought he was the best candidate. And before that, I was very much pro Ancelotti when he was announced to be the successor to Pep. So my track record in predicting how coaches will go is very poor. In fact, I would say almost that me being in favor of a coach taking over us, well, that's almost a red flag at this point. Like, I am genuinely not sure. Because it feels like whenever a coach takes over, there's a coin flip as to what they will actually do. There is no consistency. You cannot look at prior track record. It it just feels like Bayern Munich is such a different beast that it's hard to say which coaches will really succeed and which coaches will fail. You can obviously say that someone like Yub Hankis, if he were to take over now, I'm sure he would do a good job. Because, come on, Yub Hankis, he's Yub Hankis, he commands a lot of respect, and there's nothing about Hankis' tactics that would be out of place in today's football. But someone else, say for example Zidane, who is extremely successful in terms of trophies won, but maybe not in terms of, I don't know, tactical acumen or a reputation for being someone who is um, mastermind in terms of setting his teams up. I don't know. I don't know if that would be some kind of a right hire. Same thing goes for maybe bringing back Flick or Nagelsmann. I don't know what those moves would be. So I understand the board's, you know, what should I say? The board's decision to go all in on Zabi Alonso and just let this nightmare of a season uh, fester in the annals of history. But as someone who in the present day is having to watch buying Munich suffer like this, it feels really bad and it feels almost despair inducing knowing that it's not going to get better. There is no hope of it getting better while Tuchel is in charge. And I'm also worried in the sense that Xabi Alonso, he's going to win the league with that with Guzan, And that's an incredible achievement. He has them playing incredible, incredible football. And he seems like the real deal. And Bayern have been after him since forever. Like literally when he first got his coaching badges, Bayern wanted him to coach our youth team. And then we literally wanted him like to coach Bayern too. And it just never came up for us. But we have been in contact with him and we've wanted him forever. So it seems like this has been a long time coming. As a former Bayern player, Zabi knows the culture. He knows what is expected of him. He has. He seems to have a genuine winning mentality, which he's somehow managed 
convert Leverkusen into genuine title challengers. Not title challengers. At this point, we can call them title winners elect. So he seems to have everything he needs, but seeming to have everything you need has never been enough for a Bayern Munich coach. And that is what worries me. I don't know if at this stage we can afford another Tuchel. Well, I don't think Tuchel had everything we needed. I think if you look at the managers we've had over the last 10 years, it's actually pretty predictable to see which managers worked out and which ones didn't. Because the ones that didn't are simply coaches that do not fit the Bayern way of playing football. Right? We look at the three quote-unquote bad coaches we've had in the last decade. You have Nico Kovac, Thomas Tuchel and Carlo Ancelotti. All three of them play football that does not gel with Bayern's philosophy. Carlo Ancelotti is far too indisciplined tactically. Uh, Nico Kovac played a counter-attacking haram ball sort of. It was it was bad football, basically. And Thomas Tuchel very much falls into the same category. But Javi Alonso is the opposite of that. I think Javi Alonso plays the most structured and Bayern-like football of anyone. Maybe minus your Pankers. But other than your Pankers, he is the best mold of manager for Bayern Munich tactically, that we have had in the last decade, two decades, maybe even longer. I'm not familiar with managerial history beyond, like, Hitzfeld. But let's say since Hitzfeld then. But I want to ask who who else you think could even possibly take on the job if you feel like Jabi might not work out. Well, there's always Flick, right? And I still think that Flick could do a job at Bayern because all the tools, like, just looking at the players present and the profiles, other than needing to bolster the midfield with some new talent because I genuinely think that our midfield is too thin and too and lacking too much quality. Other than that, there is everything that Flick needs to make this team a success. You know, there are players who are capable of pressing, there are hardworking players, there are ball-playing centre-backs, there are guys like Delict who would be perfect in a Flick system. Like, imagine if we had Delict back in 2020, you know, when we were having to struggle through with Boateng and Alaba. Just imagine if we had someone like Delict on that team. That would have been amazing. And same thing goes for Upamecano, really. Regardless of his mistakes, like he is a great player for a system that Flick uses. So I don't see why people are so reluctant to give Hansi Flick another chance, given that he won a sextuple. Like, come on. He failed with Germany. But as we are seeing with Julian Nagelsmann, Germany's problems go far beyond, well whatever the hell happened with Hansi Flick at the World Cup and later on in other games. I just think that, well, Flick should be given another shot. And honestly, he should have been called weeks ago because if he had been, I think we would not be writing off the season. I think we would still be in with a shot at at least two titles. But that's just me. That's that's something that people are not going to agree with. The other option, I would say... Um, which has been put in the media recently, is Sebastian Hernes. I think he's a good coach. I think he would fit Bayern Munich, and I think he would be surprisingly good. But surprisingly good is probably not good enough in terms of what we need right now. And on top of that, I'm going to say that I think the nepotism angle with Sebastian Hernes and being the nephew of Uli would be very icky, and I do not want Bayern Munich embroiled in that sort of thing. You know, we have enough FC Hollywood as it is, and we do not want that to develop into a whole thing because you just remember what happened with Nagelsmann deciding to date a bill reporter, how that became a factor in his sacking, and just the craziest things seem to happen at this club. It's never it's never a dull moment. So I do not want that factor being overblown if Sebastian Hernes were to take over. As for other coaches, I know that people are very much in favor of Zidane, but I keep saying this. Real Madrid fans love Zidane because of what he achieved with them. But even they call him a tactical banana. So why the hell would we get him? The thing is that Zidane, he, it's interesting that reports indicate that he would be very much open to a Bayern Munich job if he were to call him. Which is interesting because Zidane is the type of guy who he doesn't even like look at a job unless they wine and dine him for a long time. And he's pretty much turned down every offer he's ever gotten ever since Real Madrid left him. So the fact that he's genuinely looking at Bayern as potential destination, to me, says that Bayern Munich, in terms of coaching destinations, is still a premium, high-level destination that any coach would jump at the chance to come to. And I do not think 
that if we really try, we would have any trouble securing a replacement at this moment, no matter who it is. I think the idea that people keep pushing in our comment section that who the hell would want to coach a squad like this that always turns on his coach is ill-founded. And I think that almost any coach in the world would be happy to coach Bayern Munich. So that's not a factor for me. The problem is that there are not many names right now that I can say definitively that should come in and coach Bayern Munich, other than Eupankis, Flick, who are both, you know, known quantities, and Sebastian Hurnes, who is risky. I don't see what is a way forward here. I had a sort of a revelation while you were talking about your candidates. So while you were talking about uh, Sebastian Hurnes and Zinedine Zidane, I sort of, I kept thinking, you know, there's a perfect coach there somewhere. You just need to combine the personality yeah. matrix of, of Zinedine Zidane with the sort of the fundamentals that Sebastian Hernas does correctly. And I mean, one of the names that popped out was, of course, Javi Alonso. But another exactly. name popped out. And I hate the fact that I'm liking this decision. And I hate the fact that I would not mind if it would happen. But I know the fan base would combust. And that is Javi. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's that's no, about the reaction no, I expected. No, no, that's that that is Siler, no. That is the reaction Siler, I expected. Siler, 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 Siler. No, you can't. You let can't me cook. Say let me cook. Things. You can't say these things. You cannot say these things. I'm I'm promising you, you cannot say these things. This is Look, not I allowed. I have problems. I have certain problems with Javi's systems. Most of them rely on the fact that he tends to be very specific about what profiles he wants. And sometimes he tries to mold the system to fit the profiles rather than molding the profiles to fit the system. But I think when he has a board that consists of of people like Max Ebert and Christoph Freund, they'll be able to get ideas through to him that he should first have a system in mind and then get the players for it. And if you actually want to look at the system that he employs, the only real weakness is the fact that his defenders are sometimes positionally off and a lot of that is down to the fact that he expects a lot of athleticism from them which they sometimes can't give him for a full 90 but at Bayern Munich he has one of the most athletic defenses in the world so I'm not sure those those weaknesses would be as exploitable as they are at Barcelona even if you disregard the fact that Bayern just has a far better squad than Barcelona right now and what he's better at working think? with youngsters you want. well what makes you think that the board will sit down with Xavi and tell him, you need to fit the system to the players when they never did that with Tuko. No, I mean, I mean, he, sh whoa, wait. Oh, so you're talking about, okay, no, no, sorry. I misunderstood what you said for a second. Yeah. I think the board, <clears throat> as it was, wouldn't have, but I think Max Ebro definitely has an idea, sporting-wise, of how this is meant to go. And he's shown a reluctance to, or rather a, a tendency towards talking to his managers directly about systems and then working the transfers into that system rather than going out for just whatever the manager wants. So I feel like that sort of conversation on both sides would be very helpful, especially for Xavi, where at Barcelona, it's very political and there's a lot of factors, especially financial. I mean, I really don't see how you can have a clear head there transfer-wise, but at Bayern, it's very different. And I think Xavi would bring the right sort of ideas but I, I, I don't know about him as a coach. That's the thing. He seems to fit. I mean, but uh, he seems that, to fit. But isn't that the major problem, right? Like we can't, we can't afford to take that risk. And if you're yeah, taking that's risks, the problem. if you're taking risks, at that point, I would just get, I would have Thomas Muller fast track his coaching budgets over the summer and just give him the job. Or, or just here's the thing. The I think Muller would do better than. I, I think Muller would do better than Javi. Yeah, but I mean, he's already doing would, half the job already. I feel yeah. like. I think Muller would do better than most coaches, honestly. But he's a player right now. We can't really afford to have him as a player manager at a top club because that's far too much work for one person. Well, it would be funny. It, it would be, be very especially, funny. It would I would be, love it. It would be especially funny if Muller, being the player manager, decides to bench himself. Then, then I would be very conflicted <laughs> as a member of the Muller Mafia. I would be like, what do I think of this? Am I Muller in? Am I Muller out? What does it mean? <laughs> and, and, and given what I've seen so far... <laughs> I, I, I think Muller is might actually be the type of coach to bench Thomas Muller. I'm I'm starting oh, to think would. that. I'm I'm really starting to think that because he would bench Thomas Muller. Which I which think makes he, no sense, right? But it, it doesn't. It, it, but it, I think it, but if you feel it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it, just, it feels like it would definitely happen. I feel like he's the kind of person who would spot the kind of Thomas Muller like player and he'd sort of push them but also challenge them. And I feel like part of that is challenging himself. 
What about Van Hal? No. Mm-hmm. Just no. He's he's another he's almost Thomas Tuchel like which is very ironic because they're both yeah coaches who have and, had their dismissal and, announced prior and Van to Hull the season but started this edition of Bayern right like his fingerprints yeah, are all over us one. but yeah but yeah it doesn't feel like the right hire at the moment the other guy that we keep hearing is Mourinho and you know that Marcus is very much in favor of Mourinho yeah who, yeah I know I've had arguments with him about this I I feel like Mourinho is just the idiosyncrasies of Tuchel turned up to 11 yeah. and then he's just better tactically that's it but even then his tactical style does not fit Bayern so i i don't mm. think he's a good option it might work for like a month or something you know because he comes in and he has a lot of energy and he has a lot of good energy and he can like get through i think to some of these players but like is that it <laughs> maybe as a caretaker i'm starting to come round to the idea of Mourinho as a caretaker but that's all that is it not as a permanent coach. I don't think Mourinho will take that job on though. I feel like Mourinho is far too principled in his ways. I think he'll wait until he can get a job that he feels comfortable in rather than just a caretaker job. And I more power to him. I I don't know. I honestly Bayern, I feel like that's the right way. Bayern knock like if we were to say for example, we were to beat Lazio, okay? And we still have a shot at winning the Champions League. Then I think maybe Mourinho would would be open. to a job like that. If he he wouldn't be open in my opinion to just a caretaker role seeing out the season because that's not his work. But if there were trophies left to win, potentially even, I think he might take that job. If he would, I would give it to him. No questions asked until the end of the season, that's it. But I don't see him as a long-term option at all. Yeah, not an option. Look, I'm not we are not at the point where Mourinho is a genuine long-term option for Bayern Munich. It's not it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. And I think the last coach top coach I can think of who is without a job right now is Antonio Conte and Conte I think he's tactically fine but he doesn't suit Bayern Munich it would not work for us yeah, he probably he, win, he would he'd win the Bundesliga I think he would win the Bundesliga with Bayern but that's it. that that would be his ceiling Speaking of Antonio Conte actually there is another option there, there is? is his successor at Internazionale Simone Inzaghi Inzaghi now I that's sh- That's an interesting yeah. option, you know? That is interesting. Um and with with Inter's financial situation as well, it could be possible to lowball a fee and somehow get him. I think he would be perfect. And if he can bring Hakan Çalhanoğlu along with him, I would be delighted. Çalhanoğlu, I I I don't rate Çalhanoğlu that highly, to be honest. I, I, I think really he's don't. among I the think, best holding midfielders in the world. I think I think he's extremely he's not that good. Like he's de- I, deceptively. He he's deceptive. Okay, he's uh he's good at Inter, but like how should I say? I I can't articulate why I don't like him. I might have to type this in the comments somewhere. So if someone asks me in the comment section of this podcast why I don't like Channel, I'll be able to answer there. Oh, and you I... mentioning Inzaghi reminded me we have also been linked to Roberto Di Zerbi of Brighton. Big yes, big yes on my end, but I want to say Channel this season for me has been top 10 players in the world no questions asked his adaptation into a role as the deepest midfielder rather than attacking one has been fantastic he's literally the reason inter are doing what they do i think he's he's almost playing like kimik and i feel like he could do that job better than kimik and then we have kimik go further up the field as an advanced eight i think that would work the only question i would have is our center backs we would need to sign at least one more if not two more center backs to fit inzaghi's system Yeah, I do not want that type of system in that club to be honest, but uh, th- th- Yeah, I know probably, you don't want a back three. That's 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 probably another discussion for Ariad another day. Roberto Di Zerbi, I'm I'm in favor, but I also see the strange parallels between us and Chelsea where we fire Thomas Tuchel and then immediately sign Brighton's coach. That that feels very strange to me. And I do not want to do anything parallel in Chelsea to be perfectly honest with you. Well, we've already done that actually. Um let's not had, keep digging that hole. Let's, we let's... we had a season where we fired our manager halfway, hired a German who had never had a top level job before and then we won the Champions League. So, it's possible. Listen, 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 listen. When you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you do is you stop digging. And I really want Bayern Munich to stop digging right now. I I don't think Deserbi is digging further into hole. I think Deserbi would be the perfect man to bring us out. I don't I, I think don't know Deserbi would be. I, I, his system is perfectly fine. 
But we know that it's more than that at Bayern Munich, right? Yep. And that's the problem. That's the thing. I I think that's the Sebastian Hoeneß problem again. Not, I mean, yeah. Sebastian Hoeneß has his own set of issues with the nepotism, but I feel like you need a certain level of personality to be yeah, able because, to command the dressing room. Yeah, because if it was just a tactical thing, then you could literally say about, there are so many tactical coaches out there who could be options, but like, it's it's also, assist. the thing is that you need, also need to fit the personality and the philosophy of the club. And we saw with Tuchel what happens when you don't fit that. And in fact, as we're talking about this, there is one more factor in the coaching search that we have not mentioned, which is the fact that Bayern Munich, the bosses feel that if we keep Tuchel to the end of the season, there is genuine concern about contract extensions and what might happen with those because some players are getting so alienated they might decide to leave. I know some players are definitely considering an exit given how they've been treated this season. Guys like Leon Goretzka, Tom, sorry, not Thomas Muller, um, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, and possibly even others like Masrawi Tillich, etc., etc. But we can probably convince them. One player I don't think we can convince anymore is Alfonso Davies. I think it's it. I think he's gone. And I just want to ask, why did it come to this? I genuinely am vexed by that because it always felt like, I mean, when he burst onto the scene, even as a 20, 21-year-old, I always felt like we wouldn't get the best out of him because he literally just had too much time on his hands. I feel like his peak will probably come when he's 25, 26, maybe 27. And I never felt like I would see Davies at Bayern eight years from now, back then. It didn't feel like it would be where he still is. So this just felt like inevitability to me. I don't really see us keeping him, even if he extends this contract, I feel like it'll be his last contract at Bayern. But I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I you were very active in the community when he first came up. Yeah. Well, I was very much, I was always pro Davies ever since he literally made his move from the Vancouver Whitecaps. I was extremely excited by this young winger who is coming from an unknown league. Okay, MLS is not unknown, but <laughs> no one in my circles watches MLS. So to me, it's an unknown league. And well, I was, when he first started making an impact in um, Germany, I was just elated. Do you know that I was in the stadium when Davies scored his debut goal for Bayern Munich against Mainz? I was in the stadium when that happened. And that's an amazing memory I for me. I did not know that. Yes, I, that was an amazing memory for me. It was literally the game after we lost to Liverpool and I just happened to have tickets to the next game against Mainz. And I was so glad that I got tickets for that because it was so special. Um, to watch him leave now is disappointing to me because I feel like we could have done so much more to keep him. We know that, like, I don't think that him leaving him, leaving here was an inevitability. I know that Madrid have long been after him, but Davies always seemed like the kind of guy that if he were given a proper perspective by Bayern Munich, he would stay. And I don't think he has been given that. And recent overtures by his agent and the demands made by him seem to indicate that he is, it's not really necessarily about the contract and the pay, but rather about the state of the club and how he and certain players around him and how the squad itself is being treated. That is why we are about to lose Alfonso Davy. There have been consistent reports since literally last year that Brazo had agreed a 12 million a year contract extension with Alfonso Davies and the only reason it didn't go through was because he was sacked and then Bayern Munich literally held off on talks with Davies' agent and that's when everything turned sour. Since then, Davies' agent came comes back with increasingly higher offers and Bayern for whatever reason, seems to be reluctant to pay one of their most talented and most marketable athletes the kind of money he probably deserves. I don't understand this. I don't understand how it got to this point. And honestly, it feels like if we had agreed to something like, say, 15 million a year, which is above the 12 million that Brazil agreed, something like 15 million a year, somewhere in the middle of last year, then we wouldn't have gotten to the point where it's late now, Davies' agent has even more leverage and they can ask for 20 million a year. It's another case of the board just dragging their heels and just not realizing the situation that they are in. It is the same pretty much. It's almost like the contract extension version of keeping Thomas Tuchel to the end of the season. It's just a delay for the sake of it. And it has brought us so much grief. 
losing Davies right now is very is very difficult. Not just because of the fact that uh, there is no real player that is the same age as him at the same talent level that we can easily buy to replace him, but also because he was a face of Bayern Munich at this point. People talk about Alfonso Davies a lot, and he was one of our top-selling jerseys. So it feels like a massive fumble by the board that they didn't get this incredibly important player locked up and instead, in fact, decided to question his performances, especially given the fact that our wage bill while high, is not actually that high compared to our revenue. It's not. It's a very good waste-to-revenue ratio. We have a very large amount of leeway on that front. And also, the fact that there are certain players, like Serge Gnabry, for example, who are on massively inflated wages, and they should be the first ones to be cut, rather than someone like Alfonso Davies, who is asking for a salary which may not necessarily be deserved with his on-field performances recently but is definitely deserved in terms of if you think about his potential as a player when he turns 25-26, and also in terms of what options are available to replace him on the market, and also in terms of like his marketability and commercial aspect of such a deal. It's, it's just a failure on all of those fronts. Yeah, no, I feel like you put that Pretty much, you've pretty much nailed the head on that. I don't really know how I can follow that up. That is, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. massive it's... missed opportunity. I mean, you have a you have a star who's marketable, not just in general, but in North America, which is extremely rare. There's only about like what two, three players that can do that, and we're letting him go for probably. I feel like he's gonna go for like forty million at this point. Yeah, that's it's, a it's disappointingly low figure. Like. If Davies were to be sold, I would have at least wanted to get a hundred million for him. Like that's that's a good number. We can use that to replace him. But like a genuine Davies replacement, according to reports, we are looking at Tio Hernandez from uh, Milan. And well, I think Tio Hernandez can do the job. I think he's great. And in terms of recent performances, he's definitely better than Davies. But like that's not the point. The point is that he's going to be so expensive that it would actually cost us more. If you include wages in the transfer fee, uh, that it would actually be more expensive to bring someone like him in than it would be to extend Davies even on a highly inflated contract. I do not see how the board didn't see this coming. And I also do not see how they let the situation fester until, first of all, Christoph Freund took over, and then Christoph Freund lets the situation lie until Max Eberl takes over. Did we really need to wait all the way until Max Eberl's takeover for this to happen like what the hell are Uli and Rumenega doing what is going on and are these the people who are going to be deciding the future of Bayern Munich come the summer when they search for a coach it does fill me with a lot of confidence in terms of what decisions they're going to make like this situation the two whole situation all the other stuff surrounding transfers contracts etc etc it's just it it fills me with a lot of dread for the future of this club yeah, it's a pretty bleak note to end on, but I feel yeah. like there is no way to spin this into anything that's going to be positive. positive yeah, let's just hope that maybe we win against Lazio and hope that the season stays alive. Because if it if it ends there, I think a lot of people are going to tune out of this season. I think I think it's going to end the season for a lot of people, which is a shame. Um, I think I guess we ended there, and this was I need a name and Tyler previewing Lazio on a very depressing note and. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate all your support. You can find us on Twitter at Bavarian Epiworks. We also have a new podcast Twitter account, which I have forgotten the at of, but if you check Bavarian Epiworks, you will find us there. And we are also personally on Twitter. I have forgotten all our personal handles, so just, just check the note on the podcast. Please you check want me out to shoot our him? blog. No, please don't bother. <laughs> and, and check out our blog and check out our blog post, which accompanies the podcast because that's where a lot of our discussion happens and you can personally ask me any questions and ask Tyler and we will respond in the comment section of those podcasts we love hearing from you and we love feedback on what we're doing so thank you for listening we really hope that Bayern Munich gets out of this front because remember we despite all the bleakness we are Bayern Munich fans and we're just depressed about what is going on with the club so yeah thank you for listening and good night